You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. This episode was part of our Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention that we held in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We recorded this one live, so there will be a little more background noise than usual. We hope you enjoy the show and will consider sponsoring our show and all of the network shows at patreon.com. Titus 3, verses 8 through 11 in the Christian Standard Bible say, This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, because they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. In this letter to Titus, St. Paul is instructing Titus in how he should instruct other new believers. Here Paul states that Christians should avoid debates about the law and should turn away people who are divisive in the church. Christian, how is turning away someone from the church helpful, and how is that different from being divisive ourselves? Because you create less problems for yourself. It's not an idea of saying, you know, if you're quarrelsome at all, you shouldn't be in the same church as someone else. But if they're affecting policy, if they're affecting your ability to get things done, there's a huge issue. And they may be better suited elsewhere. Amen. Amen. Verily, verily. Hallelujah. Hello, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, the Every Tribe, Denomination, and Tongue Convention. Uh, TJ's hosting this event at Will Church, so Will, Will and TJ are hosting this event. And uh, me, Christian, and Brandon are the lucky guests. Now, this is all part of the Anazal Ministries Podcast Network, so we have a bunch of shows represented, Systematic Ecology, Dummy for Theology, um, Let Nothing Move You, My Seminary Life. The whole church podcast, not represented, but honorable mention to uh, the Bible After Hours. We'll go ahead and throw out all of the podcasts for the Amazon Ministries Podcast Network again. That link will be in the show notes if you want to check it out. Really excited to have you guys here with us live. We have an audience here of like two people, but it's great. It's great. Uh, We know some of you guys are listening online or listening later on on YouTube or podcast channels or whatever. Glad to have you guys here. Glad to be here with TJ. Blackwell, myself, Joshua Noel, Brandon Knight, Christian Ashley. And for those wondering, we are talking about the church and politics today, which is, um, well, we're going we're gonna to do a quick fun fact for everybody. Uh, Ron Swanson in, um, in, the, in the great show Parks and Rec was originally going to be TJ. Um, but when they tried to put TJ on television, it became apparent that his essence is just simply too powerful. So they had to limit it. They had to settle for someone else. It's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll uh, we'll cover that further on our Patreon. If you go support us, you can uh, check that out. Uh, check out the AMP Network link is below, like we said before, and subscribe on Apple Podcast to the network's paid channel for exclusive content from all of our shows. Uh, patrons get two bonuses a week, usually uh, occasional. Uh, whole church news segments free merch every three months for three dollars more discounts and apple subscribers get all of our patron bonus episodes one bonus episode a week from systematic ecology and 
one a month from Joshua's other podcast, Dummy for Theology, where he will discuss a single theological term each and every month. And now it's time. It's time for uh, one of my favorite spiritual practices is um, it, it's the most unity engendering thing possible. Um, I continue to say this as it has caused many debates on the show, but we'll keep doing it. It is our segment, the silly question segment, where I will ask our guests a silly question and TJ and I will answer first, give you time to think about it. I love silliness. And today's is particularly amusing for myself. Which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, do you think could deliver the best sermon, DJ? Splinter. That's not a turtle. Mikey. Mikey? Why, why Mikey? He's, he's kind of... I'm Mikey. Fair. I always knew you were a turtle. Everyone, else, turtles. Is, everyone else is too much in their own in their own way. You know what? You know what? Hear me out. Hear me out. Old Pentecostal or Baptist preacher style. Fire and brimstone. Raphael's preaching. Oh, yeah. I will love it. That sounds so much fun for me. <laughs> okay, I'm about to disappoint everyone, especially Joe. Sorry, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never been a huge TMNT fan. It's not like I don't like them or anything. It's just I don't care as much as other people. So my answer was going to, I was going to stretch and cheat like I always do and say Splinter, but someone took that. So I'm going to say I said that too. Anyways, because I believe he's a wise man. We should listen to him. He's always looking after the turtles and everyone else around him. So I say Master Splinter. That's fair. You should get a pass. You should get yeah. a pass. <laughs> yeah. I have a very basic working knowledge of the Ninja Turtles, mostly from those three movies that came out in the 90s. Am I the one who knows uh, the most about Ninja Turtles in this movie? At, at this gathering, so. you do, awesome. yeah. <laughs> Joe is, like, flipping over his laptop right now, though, because he, he loved... I mean, he just started shocked. a whole show about... Are you shell-shocked right now that you that they I'm don't... shell-shocked, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wondering. He's the sound to solve now. Um, I think for me, I would go. I mean, I also wanted to cheat and say April. Um, Good one, though. I think she could, really, though. Um, I'm going to go. I think we could go Leo. Mainly because Leonardo sounds like a good, like, old fashioned preacher name. Yeah, he's Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah, he's for sure Presbyterian. I like your Raphael thing, though. I think you have a really solid argument with the Raphael thing. It might be a worse sermon. It might be a worse sermon, but it would certainly be more entertaining, I think. It would just be so much rage. It would be the one that's most on character, I think. <laughs> Everyone else, because the rest of us are just kind of like spitballing here a little bit. I think you have tied a very specific style of preaching with the character that m most matches it. For sure. Well, you know, uh, some of us just have a longer history of practicing silliness, so... I've gotten gotten pretty good at it. Um, Austin Wade. Sorry, we have two we have two guests. We have Austin and we have Wade Wilson here. Um, do either of you have any uh, any input on uh, what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle you think would be good preaching or good turtle soup? I'm also curious about that. Answer. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. We will move on. Specifically, Last Ronin. Uh, that would be some amazing turtle soup. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, for, in my head, I just like I feel like Wade Wilson would really like Leonardo answer. Like, you know, the sword style is kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, on to the riveting topic at hand. Uh, if our voting records alone spoke for what we believed, what do you think people would think the church believed in? What kind of God we represent? I mean, honestly, I'll just start it off. Uh, 
it would be a very bipolar God that we believe in, the way the church has handled things in the past of uh, we care about, you know, life, but after that life is born, what do we do with it? A lot of people, nothing. Uh, and it's a real shame that that's what people would probably think that God was, is he's this inconsistent, uh, says he's a protector, but really, does he do it if the way the church votes sometimes? I mean, I wouldn't say he was. Yeah, I, uh, I did a whole week or two in class on this topic back in February on like God and politics type of stuff. And also through the lens of like generations, studying generations and like the differences in like politics and whatnot. Um, I would echo with Christian. I think, I think bipolar is a good, like a good word to describe how God would be viewed. I think, um, also from like an earlier, um, the earlier panels that we've also have discussed when we did the MSL episode and we were talking about, you know, this assumption that all Christians are supposed to vote Republican or be a Republican in order to be a real Christian or whatever. Um, I think obviously there are Christians across the spectrum, but again, based off of like uh, polling numbers and also just loud voices, I feel like um, people would also think conservative reagan like uh that god would be more along those lines um you in that kind of world which again i know we harp on it a lot and i harp on it a lot but also it's because they're sometimes the loudest category um they're sometimes the largest largest group loudest group sorry um i think what we would see is a power hungry God as well, because I think a lot of the followers who do vote and do fall into that very specific group do come off more as we just want power and control and to stomp all over everybody else more than loving and forgiving and merciful and actual, you know, like fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Um, we did have one comment come in. Um, that there's really just not enough data points to generate a reliable curve. Um, what do you think about TJ? Is that probably pretty accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could see that. I also kind of agree with a lot of what you guys said. Um, ironically, I think he'd probably come off a lot like uh, the kind of God Raphael's preaching about, you know, a lot of that fire and brimstone, very, it's, it's about the rules. It's about the judging, not about the caring kind of stuff. Probably. Yeah. So what are some of the most common things we've all heard um, people from the church say that are really either unhelpful or harmful in our current political climate in America? Uh, God chose this leader to be in charge. And like, yeah, sure. I, I agree. The way things are let out, God allowed it to happen. God ordained certain things to happen. It doesn't mean that God is 100% behind that person whoever they are, because guess what? There's been a lot of really bad presidents out there, just the United States, not even look at the world. I mean, God allowed every Roman emperor that persecuted Christians to be raised to power. He allowed Mao Zedong to control China for however many years and however many millions of lives that were lost as a result of that. Yeah, sure. So if you're saying God chose this person to be in charge, that's not always a good thing. Could you, what was it one more time? I don't uh, have the notes in front the of me. The most common things you've heard people from the church say okay. that aren't helpful. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I think 
This is something I've been thinking about and reflecting on a lot lately, what I'm about to say, because this is like a new thing I've been hearing a little bit more is a lot of parallels between the current climate. We'll just leave it general like that. And the book of Daniel. I've been seeing a lot of correlation between the two. And it's like within the like literally within the past like week to 10 days that I've been hearing this a lot more. So it's been more of, of a um, like something I'm still like processing. So I don't want to comment too much on it. But it's this a general idea of like we speaking generally of Christians are living in Babylon right now. And we, broadly speaking, are supposed to be like Daniel. And there's a lot of lines drawn between us and Daniel, us or the government and Nebuchadnezzar, the government and da da da. And I like I see I see where they're coming from. I see I see the point. I do think that's not I think we're arguing a little bit apples and oranges on that a little bit. Um but yeah, that is something I've been hearing a lot more recently of just this like parallels between us and the book of Daniel that I'm still processing. I hear um I hear God hates statements a lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that rarely yeah, is productive. Whatever word comes after hates. Yeah. Um also untrue. <laughs> yeah, I um Ironically, this is one of the few things that I feel like I'm actually like really kind of have some uh, credibility in because in my biblical studies degree, mm. my two like main focus classes were Daniel and Revelation. Mm. And I, I do think there's a lot of misunderstanding of what kind of literature Daniel is. I won't go there. That'll be whenever uh, Christian finally gets to the book of Daniel on let nothing move you and he agrees to let me come on and disagree with him then i'll be there several um, years from now <laughs> yeah y'all just keep just keep waiting um but I, I i think in general just to get some more general like concepts daniel revelation all of your apocalyptic literature in the bible wasn't written to say here's what's going to happen one day we need to be prepared for this terrible thing to happen it was more of a reflection on what was currently happening um, if you look at like the number 666 in Revelation and how it like correlates to some of the empires at the time, all that kind of stuff. You look at like the beasts of, you know, the two beasts of Revelation. I don't know if people know there's two beasts. There's two beasts in Revelation. Um, they both correlate to very clear examples of what leaders were doing in that time. And it was to show in this like kind of like what we do with fiction. Not that this is fictional, but it's like what we do in fiction where we show this other story and say, here's what happens in this scenario. And you realize, oh, wait, I'm that character. So, you know, we're, we're seeing the apocalyptic, we're seeing where God's people fail and where they succeed and what happens to God's people in this other story. And it's supposed to tell us what we're supposed to be doing right now in our scenario. Um, and that's where like, yeah, there's a lot of parallels that I'm like, I don't, I think y'all are really stretching to try and make this the final times, but also, um, duh, there's parallels. Like, yeah, it, it was the whole thing of like the future telling of Daniel was a reflection on their political times in that era. Mm -hmm. And of course, politics repeat themselves. Like, yeah, of course, we have evil leaders now that are going to mark the same marks. If you look at the the whole requirements of the Antichrist, you're going to see Donald Trump. It's exactly the same person. He calls himself our redeemer, our you know retribution, whatever. I'm like, yeah, that is one of the Antichrist. Also, there's multiple Antichrist. It's a plural word, but 
that's for another time. When we get to First John forever from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we finally get to First John. And I mean, yeah, and you're going to see the same thing on the liberal side, whoever's in charge, because politics will never be perfect. Humanity always sucks. And anything bad that's currently happening, yeah, the whole point of apocalyptic literature was to tell us how to deal with it. So, duh. Yeah. Well, uh, because there's so many of us today, uh, we are going to do our roundtable roundup. Again, this is the second time, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to read out all four questions so that everyone knows what they are. I'll go back one at a time, and each of you can answer only one of the four questions. Nobody can respond or ask any follow-up questions until after the roundup is complete. Can we repeat the questions whenever they choose? Absolutely. <laughs> so, our questions today are going to be, A, how could the church better contribute to the conversations about gun safety in America? B, should the church vote in favor of welfare programs? C, are there any areas in our country that could be made better by the church doing what it's called to without changing our individual politics? And D, should Christians ever abstain from voting? Now, he seems a little... I was going to... Yeah, it's gonna ask Brandon first, first but uh, oi vey. Um, <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. Should have should have brought some more beers with me before we started this one. <laughs> um, man, what was that third one? The third question. The time? Yeah. Uh, are there any areas in our country that could be made better by the church doing what it's called to without changing our individual politics? Okay. Um. Man, I feel the same way how I felt at cookout the other night, like trying to decide. But Josh isn't going to tell me which one to order this time. I'm going to go. I'm actually I want to take a stab at that voting question for a second. Okay, so should Christians ever abstain from voting? Yeah, um, I uh, or the other one, the welfare one or the other one, the welfare one. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just ramble a bit on the on the voting one for a second. I think I'll, I'll go back to one of my usual rants that I go off on with MSL, and that is Christians need to exercise wisdom better. Christians love to have black and white answers. We, even though we talk about how we want, you know, we don't want preaching that's just telling us what to do. We want good theology. The way that we act is that we we just want to be told what to do. Do this, don't do that. Um, which probably continues to build up this stereotype that uh, Christians are just a bunch of rules keepers rather than being in a relationship. Um, and that's where wisdom, the wisdom literature that we often skip over, kind of plays a factor into this of these are just ways to live out your life, ways to live out your faith um, that are more fluid, more flexible. You have to think and act. That's That was the big thing about wisdom literature in the ancient Near East is that it was not just like philosophical thoughts, but like, think about this, honor the Lord that way in practice. Um, and so when it comes to this voting thing, should... Uh, are there ever times when a Christian shouldn't vote? I mean, maybe if you hold that conviction that tightly that none of these candidates, you know, maybe ne- not necessarily thinks what 
you don't think that they are a best fit for whatever it is you're voting for. Um, I know for me, there are times like, I don't think I've ever not voted, but there have been times where maybe I'll skip over certain things, partially because I'm just not that well educated in whatever it is that I should be voting for. And that's on me. That's not a, you know, that's on me. I should be a more educated person, particularly on my local elections. Um, and so, although I may show up and vote for everything else, I may skip one or two because I just don't know. And I'm not necessarily on that whole. It is like the, I do have the right as an American to vote. I understand that. Is that a God-given right? That's where I'm kind of like, okay, if I don't vote, I don't think God's going to necessarily be mad at me about it. Um, I, like I said, this is going to be rambly. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> everyone else has shorter answers. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm kind of doing like the yes and no answer, I would say. I think to hold the conviction that you absolutely have to go vote, like, if, you, if it's that important to you, yes, you should go vote. Um, but I also think you should be educated when you go vote. And maybe that means that there are times where you skip certain things and make a note to go back and like learn about, you know, like your local elections or, or people running. So that way you can be a better voter the next time. Yeah. You always, you always vote for sheriff though, right? I always. Yeah. Right. Do I always vote for sheriff? Yeah. Super important. Actually, no, I don't. <sighs> I actually don't. But that is because in Lake County, Indiana, there actually has been a long history of like um, criminal issues with the sheriff's department. So I have to like be I always like to go into it either being very like conscious of what's going on or like, OK, Brandon, you need to be better prepared next time. So real quick, I just want to want to catch our listeners up to some of the very amusing comments and corrections we have. Uh, this is, in fact, not a round table. It has been pointed out. It is a, we, it yeah. Is a rectangle. Yeah. yeah, we're not at a round table. Um, also, uh, it, you have been corrected. Uh, okay. Having mentioned Babylon, you should not have said that you were rambling. You should have said you were babbling. Oh, yeah, that, that was yeah. a missed opportunity. Yeah. I acknowledge you, that. You missed that out. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good night. I'm out. Also, vote for <laughs> Sheriff Woody from Toy Story. Vote That's Sheriff. our advice. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> At least uh, problematic. Question: yes. Do you have? Uh, 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 What's pretty bad? Uh, do you have? Uh, <laughs> he learned from this. He learned from his mistakes. How many mistakes? <laughs> At least As, one every. Yes. I don't. I really don't love his record. How, how many mistakes are we gonna let him make? He's in office. No, he's not. He's, a toy. he's got the soul of a man. <laughs> so, learning Kingdom Hearts. So which? Toys, uh, you know, we hearts. did learn that at Kingdom Hearts. So, so which roundtable roundup question would you like to answer for us today, Krishna? Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> do that to you. I'll focus on the gun safety one. Yeah, sure. Let's go to that hot button issue. All right. So how could the church better contribute to the conversations about gun safety in America? Okay. Well, here we go for that yes and no. Hot trigger. Yes. I believe that people should be able to own guns. I also believe there should be ways to control people gaining access to those guns. I know it's a very unconservative answer I just gave which I think people are wondering more and more if I'm actually a conservative if time goes on. I've never questioned <laughs> with, with some of the answers I give, Josh knows me a little more. So he knows the true conservative that lies underneath, waiting to leap out at any moment. You make me question if I'm really moderate. We're going to have a, gonna have a tax bracket question, and he's, Chris is going to go crazy. Oh, oh yeah. No, um, when it comes to gun control, the idea that I can just walk into a store and just grab one, 
appalls me in some states, in some areas, and in some countries. That should never be the thing. I'm not saying there should be, you know, a 30-day, uh, a, a year wait to gain access to that gun. What I am saying is there should be always criminal background checks. There should always be you know, a psych evaluation for certain scenarios. And the church, when speaking on these matters, should say rightfully that you know self-defense is biblical. At the end of the day, like uh, Jesus allowed the disciples to carry weapons around with them in His person, you know. That God never told the Israelites, oh, by the way, when the Amalekites attack you, just turn the other cheek at that moment and move around because they'll, they'll become your friends later on. No, he said, slaughter them all. Now, we don't like hearing that verse. We don't like hearing those words, but that's it. what happens at the end of the day in some scenarios. Now, I'm not saying we all go out there Sometimes and find our enemies. You just got to kill them all. <laughs> and we don't go full Kino and try and murder all the people. <laughs> we love you, Kino. <laughs> love you, Kino. Should have came. Could have defended himself. <laughs> that was a fun episode of SG. Sopranos, look it up. But <laughs> but there's got to be some going on there. Of so We should be able to, I should be able to go in and say, look, I have no criminal history. I've had a couple of speeding tickets. They've been gone off the record, I think, after this point in time. But there's no, yeah, no psych evaluation again that says this man should not legally own a gun. And the church should be willing to look at that and say, okay, instead of blindly supporting something because of a particular political affiliation or blindly not supporting something because of a particular political affiliation, we should go, okay, how can they be used? How should they be used? Let's work out this idea together. Well, yeah, yeah. I've, I've often heard that the best self-defense is a wall of bullets, so... They're compelling arguments. So, Joshua, uh, which one of our lovely questions will you be answering for us? It's killing me that we can't respond yet in this segment. Tough. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Choose a question. Could you choose for me? I'm open to any of them. Okay. Uh, so, should the church vote in favor of welfare programs? Absolutely. Also, I, I think the main reason that we don't often is really bad excuses. Um, they, they pick one issue, typically abortion, and say, that means I have to be a conservative. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't mean you have to vote against welfare. There are still different opportunities where you can vote for that. And they're like, well, okay, but, you know, I'm really voting for these Republican blocks. And it's like they, they do this walk around and they just find a way to make it more about I have to be Republican because abortion and ignore all of these other issues because abortion, because I have to be Republican kind of deal. And I feel like we avoid the issues the Bible's pretty explicit about. God writes his own laws for his people and a ton of them are about helping the poor and helping the foreigner, helping the, um, yeah, just those in need are required, like part of tithing. So much people want to harp on tithing. This is just a quick rant. Uh, real tithing, if you're doing it according to the actual law, ends up being about 27% of your income, not 10. And uh, it includes helping the poor, it includes giving part of your land to those who cannot afford their own land. Uh, so if we're going to really harp on we need to tithe, um, I'll, I'll give you my phone number. I'm very poor and I would love your land. Yeah. <laughs> give me your land. <laughs> and as a seminary student, I second that. <laughs> so. I have no land. Did anyone have anything you, to you say? Pick one. No, I don't. Yeah, pick one. Yes, you do. Uh, so no, you don't. I think the church should vote in favor of welfare programs. <laughs> that, was, that was the best. That was good. We knew that was going to happen. Fair. 
So did anyone have anything to say in response of what everyone talked about during our roundtable roundup, Brandon? Uh, briefly, I'll touch on both topics that came up. Uh, to Christian, I think I think you articulated well how I would. I think you articulated my position well on that as well. The coffee I had earlier is finally starting to kick in. Uh, <laughs> um, I would add towards what you were saying is probably one of my. Uh, here's a. a a whole church gimmick. One of my pet peeves. I think yes. I've actually shared this. I think I've actually shared this on the uh, pet peeves segment before. Is it really bothers me when there is a mass shooting, a something like that. That not, not only does the event bother me, but it bothers me when I hear Christians give this response of. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Like bad people do bad things, and it just really, really irks me. Not just because okay, you fought so hard to get Roe v. Wade overturned, and now you're gonna act like this with the people who are around. Thank you, appreciate that. Um, you can't legislate morality. Yes, you can. That's like literally what a law is. Um, <laughs> It, that all very much bothers me because it's just such a flippant attitude when it comes to human life. And it's also like you gave up. You gave up trying to come up with a... I know the the phrase is common sense, common sense. Everybody wants a common sense solution. Like, but you, when you have that type of an attitude, you've given up on any type of an a answer. Um, to Josh and also TJ on the welfare system... Um, a little bit more towards Josh, naturally. Um, <laughs> uh, back in February during this class on local church ministry in the 21st century, talking about government and politics and the relationship to the church and blah, blah, blah. There was this big old paper I had to write. It wasn't on tithing per se, but it was on un better understanding the Hebrew term and etymology behind words like foreigner, like... Um, uh, I came uh, stranger, foreigner, alien, stuff like that. People who were living in Israel who are not a part of Israel. And there's two different like ways the word is used. And in every scenario, in both scenarios, the rules surrounding it are to take care of them, are to take care of foreigners and strangers. And I know I'm kind of getting a little bit off welfare and maybe a little bit more into the immigration side of things. But to just to come alongside of you also, Josh and TJ, to say like, yes, scripture does support taking care of the less fortunate. And we should be proactive in that. A quick recommendation that uh, Christian's going to fact check me on. Um, I wanted to recommend checking out the book Exodus. I believe it's by Richard Friedman. Um, he is a Hebrew scholar and religious scholar. He does a lot of work on the history of, okay, I was right. It is Richard Friedman um, or Friedman. I don't know. But he does a lot of work on the kind of the history of the Hebrew people who was actually in Egypt, who were the slaves and who came to Israel and who wrote some of these laws really tells you a lot on why they cared so much about the foreigners because that was them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll say I also agree with what Brandon was saying about voting. I'm kind of similar as well. Okay. It's like if your heart is led and you say, I don't think I can in good conscience vote for these two people because there's only two options really. And and you say, I can't do it. Or 
you just vote for some third person that will never get to that presidency, but you, in your heart of hearts, that's what I did last time. Jill Stein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you just look at that marker and you say, can I, as a Christian, say, I approve of this man or this guy over here or this woman here? Can I do that? And your answer is no. I would say, follow your instincts and don't vote for that person, but continue to vote overall. So yeah, I'm with you there on that regard, Brandon. As far as welfare programs are concerned, uh, I can't remember if it was the last episode I did or the one that's about to be released on Monday. That's a great question. Yeah, uh, where I discussed my thoughts on welfare programs and that I don't think they should exist because that's our job. And the reason that they exist is a huge mark against Christianity because we kind of suck at actually organizing things and looking after the widow, the poor, the orphan, and the sojourner. So the fact that it exists, yes, I say we should support them because we're not doing our jobs. And every time we have to do that should be uh, a waking up call for all of us to go out and actually get that done. Radical answer. Very fun answer. <laughs> I, um, I don't have a lot to say in response to guns. Because I've uh, honestly, I've been wrestling with that issue back and forth a lot. Um, for a long time, my stance was, yeah, we should have guns. We should have these things. That's like kind of what the foundation of a lot of the things were. The the point of the Second Amendment actually was so that we could defend ourselves in case our government became super controlling. Like that was actually a huge part of it. Um, but now I'm looking at uh, just factually, just looking at statistics. Um, all these other countries who disagreed with us, who have different laws about guns are sure having a lot less mass murders. And uh, that's one of those, hey, listen, if I can't make sense of it, that's my that's on me. But at the end of the day, um, if something's been proven to cause less death, that's something I think uh, us pro-life Christians should care about. <laughs> um, sorry, that was just a funny, funny little stab there. But uh, I, when it comes to abstaining from voting, I think of a lot of our politics like idols, um, and like other religions, basically, look at, I'm going to do some from both so I don't sound too partisan. We'll start with like the Donald Trump group, the whole MAGA crowd. Um, look at who shows up. Look at how they dress. Look at how they chant. Look at how they behave. Look at how they, their attitude is towards their leader. That's basically just another religion. We look at the liberal side. They straight up have creeds that they don't call creeds. Um, love is love. Um, all lives matter. You know, black lives matter. All lives matter are both different creeds that people use to mean different things. And it's like these are just quick little snippets that our side will repeat to ourselves to say, hey, I'm part of your camp. Those are just kind of religious elements about something that you shouldn't be worshiping. So that's just idol worship as far as I'm concerned. Um, did you want to? I was going to uh, finish. But... Oh, okay. So uh, so that that's half of my concern is just we're just succumbing to idol worship, and I, I hate that idea. And then when you couple that in, like there's so much inconsistency. You know, we, we're going to say on one hand, this man's unfit to be leader because he did all these sexual sins, all these different things. But then this guy who's on our side, well, you know, his more his, his behaviors doesn't really affect his politics. And then they point to the Bible for both things, and it makes people feel like the Bible doesn't really mean anything. We just do what we want. Because, yeah, no, absolutely. The Bible does show where God punished Israel because they had a wicked leader. They also show where God really loved Israel when David was there because David was super righteous, even though on his deathbed he was like, hey, can someone please bring me a virgin to sleep with while I'm dying? Come on, guys. 
I'm going to TJ this one. QAnon's a cult. <laughs> that's also, yeah, that's accurate. Um, I'll yeah. second that. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, Christian, Christian, right? You know, you, you follow your conscience. If you truly believe that a wicked man in office causes the country to be judged by that, um, don't give up on that belief. If that's really your belief, uh, like a lot like what C.S. Lewis talks about with faith, like it can't be an emotional whim. If you have come in your own reasoning to this is what my belief is, then stick to that. Don't let your emotions change you. If someone changes your reasoning with logic, that's great. But don't let it just be an emotional thing, which I think is what a lot of people do. Um, I think it would be better to abstain from voting. And that goes back to the idol thing. People make it, you have to vote. If you don't vote for our guy, you're really voting for the other guy. First off, that's just false. Second off, you're saying that voting is the absolute top priority right now? That, uh, how is that different than idol worship? How is that different than your pastor's illustration about sports teams last week and worshiping Florida State Seminoles, whatever your team is? Like, it's the same thing. It's just lame excuses we come up with because God really cares about this thing. Well, yeah, he does care about a lot of these things, but he also really cares about a lot of the things that you're supporting you shouldn't be. So, yeah, I think sometimes abstaining probably is the Christian thing. Going back to Daniel, um, Daniel wasn't the man of God because he voted one way or another. It wasn't because he went along with the politics of the time or went against the politics of the time. It's because he said, here's the right thing, and I'm just not going to do this thing. And I think sometimes when you're looking at what's going on and you can just say, hey, this is idol worship. B, both of these people are evil. The politics are evil at the time. As a Christian, what part does light have with darkness? I think sometimes, yeah, abstaining is probably the Christian thing to do. This is great audio content. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of us going, hmm, 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 hmm. Like Mordecai and Rigby on regular <laughs> So following up that quick rant I did, <laughs> do you guys, with that in mind, do you think the church should speak more or less about politics? Uh, I would say, God help us all more, <laughs> in the fact that we are living in a time where we are able to do so. <laughs> the fact that we, are, we have the ability to preach the word of Jesus, to reach billions of people is something that has never been a thing across time and space until now. Now, let's also look at the fact that there was a time in history, a lot of time in history, where that wasn't possible, where we weren't the majority in any situation. Uh, you look at Rome. I mean, one of the wickedest places in human history. And yet, in behind the scenes, Christians weren't, didn't have a say in government. They worked. They loved one another. They took care of people. They worshiped God in as uni united as possible in that scenario. So, I mean, if something were to happen, you know, every prepper's worst nightmare, you know, <laughs> that, you know, the United States government took control, Christian Christianity was outlawed, you know, the beast is <laughs> on the loose, and we act like there's any way we could possibly stop someone God has allowed. Oh, by the way, speaking of, you know, leaders God allows, God allows him to do that in that scenario as if we could somehow stop him from doing what's already been prophesied. Like, it's okay. Work is going to get done. And regardless of where you think we're going to end up, you know, uh, with the rapture, if it's the beginning, if it's the middle of six and a half years like me, or very end seven, like, it doesn't matter. God is going to get done what he wants to get done. But we should use our voice for good, which is something, like I said, we haven't had the ability to do for a very long time, uh, historically speaking. 
to reach as many people in this way. I think from a practical practical theology standpoint, like actually thinking and then living out your faith, uh, the answer is yes. Um, because in order to know how to live as a Christian, you do indeed need to know the Bible, obviously. Um, but you have to be able to apply it in your context. And that includes the time that you are living in. And so there will be times where a pastor, small group leader, a blah, 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 needs to speak towards a current topic. I don't think that it, I personally don't think that is the role of a pastor to tell you who to vote for. Like you should vote for that guy or woman. It is 2023. Um, but I don't think that is necessarily their role, but to, you know, part of this class, I, sorry, I keep going back to this, but like part of this class was wrestling with, okay, what is social justice? What is critical race theory? What is, what are the ideologies of the LGBTQ plus community and looking at them from a variety of theological viewpoints and then trying to determine how do we personally live in the context that we are in right now, but also then to like engage your culture well with the gospel. You know, there are plenty of churches. We all know them entire groups that stopped at some decade point and the expectation, what I have found experientially, what I have found is that those types of churches, one thing you will hear to explain the emptiness of the pews, the dyingness of their congregation is people just won't go to church anymore. It is an external issue rather than a willing to look in the mirror and say, this is an us issue. And so I think... We need to be engaged with culture. We need to be aware of politics. The church needs to talk, talk about these things. You can do still exegetical preaching through a book of the Bible and end up talking about a variety of these issues. You can do topical series on these issues. You, you know, like It is possible to talk about these things and we need to talk about these things so we can engage in the culture. I think it was... Carl Barth, who said that a Christian is one who has, I'm butchering this quote, a Christian is one who has a Bible open in one hand and a newspaper open in the other. Just like you have to be aware of what's going on in both in order to live in the context you're in. Just glad I didn't mean I have to be able to read two things at once. No, I don't have that kind of talent. <laughs> Just keep reading across. <laughs> so, is there such a thing as a responsible, nonpartisan stance the church can make on politics? I'm going to say yes and should um, because going back, adding to our last question even, I don't think any church should be talking about the Republican and Democratic parties necessarily. I think that is just commenting, again, idolism, other religions basically. Um, that's not really the church's place. but And I, and I think it would actually help our country's conversation, everyone's conversation, if instead, what if your pastor talked about political situations? What does the Bible say about welfare? What does the Bible say about your right to defend yourself? What does the Bible say about immigrants? What does the Bible say about all of these specific things rather than is the Bible more progressive or is it more conservative? Is the Bible more Republican? Is it more that? I mean, let's talk about the actual issues. Let your people decide for themselves. The people of the church 
are actually smart people. They can figure it out. Give them the tools of what the Bible says about things. Let them make up their own mind who to vote for. And I actually think what you'll probably find is a, a lot more churches will end up having easier time with unity because it's not, oh, your church is a Democratic church. Mine is a Republican church. We never say that. That's like the quiet part. But that's what we all believe. You know, we're in a Lutheran church and a lot of people are like, oh, that's one of the Democrat church. And, you know, if I go see Christian church, Southern Baptist, everyone's like, oh, so you're a Republican. Like, that's just kind of assumed going back to that other episode we did with My Seminary Life. That's just something that's assumed. I think we'd have a lot more unity because realistically, both of those churches are going to say the same thing the Bible says about welfare. They're both going to say the church says the same thing about a lot of these political issues. If we talked about them individual issues instead of which party, which bent do we have kind of deal. Uh, yes. Yes. I think it, I think I agree with all of that. I would say maybe the only other like clarifying clarifying thing I would say there is that oh man I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna <laughs> I hate when people say this um, God is in control God's kingdom is overall and it I like it's that cheesy line that everyone gets tired of hearing but I think specifically in this context um, yes this is one of those situations where I really think you have to look beyond red and blue in order and green in order to find that nonpartisan unity ground thing. Um, you really do have to look beyond those things and in voting and in how you live out your faith, you have to think beyond those parties as well and get back to scripture. Yeah. I'll go ahead and I'll say yes as well. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what's been said here. It's got to start Sunday morning when you walk in like, are those people around you in that church, did God come into their lives the same as he did for you and I mm. and change you from who you were? Is that true? Okay. If, if the answer is yes, which I'm really hoping it is, if you're talking about members of a church, then guess what? You have common ground. You can start working on something and then you find this person saved by Christ votes this way or votes that way or sends their money here, sends their money there. Well, You've started from somewhere good, and you're sure you can disagree on those two things. But then why would you ever, that person you've gotten along with this whole time, this person you've loved, this you've experienced life with them, why would you ever then say, it's time for you to go elsewhere? Well, no, you both attend the same church. Why should they have to leave? Why should you have to leave? If that's your sticking point, not who Jesus is, not what he did for us. Like, why would that be the point where you go say, go elsewhere? Hmm. It's a lot of the um, you're missing the trees for the forest kind of deal. Um, e even even stuff like let's get outside of just left and right. Even stuff that we do disagree on. Um, let's take abortion for an issue. That's all. That's a fun one. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Um, oh, man, you're going to vote for woman's choice. and I'm going to vote for life's choice. Oh, you must not love Jesus. I'm not, you know, whatever. But actually, if we dig deeper, look at the trees and not just the forest of we disagree on this idea of abortion, um, both Christians, let's just for some reason, I'm going to be pro woman's choice and you're going to be pro life's choice for now, Christian. I'm okay. sorry. Um, well, I'm sorry to myself. But that's actually yeah, I, your I, position. I, I so don't. whatever. Um, but in this scenario, we could just say, oh, we disagree on this issue, grr, anger, or maybe ask each other more questions like what, why? Do you pro-life? Do you not care about the woman? Of course, I know you. So you would say, of course, I care about the woman. But I also believe that this is a human life and I care for him. 
And you would ask me, why don't I care about that infant's life? And I would say, no, of course I care about the infant's life, but I think there's all these other issues and sometimes the pregnancies aren't even viable. And sometimes, you know, there's all these things and then we realize, okay, well, maybe there's a nuanced position in between even. Maybe we could disagree and realize you are caring for one soul and I'm caring for one soul and we actually both care about people's souls and that's a good thing. Nuanced position. What are you, Phil Vischer? What is this? <laughs> that's our other recommendation. Right. Yeah. We post. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so, so, so uh, listen to the Holy Post podcast. Ignore ours from now. No. Um, <laughs> as a thoughtful Christian, as thoughtful Christians who love the Bible, um, I'm start with Brandon first on this one. What most concerns you right now about our current political situation in America? As a thoughtful Christian, what can, that reads the Bible. As a thoughtful Christian who reads the Bible, what concerns me the most? About our current political situation. About our current political situation. Um, I think the thing that concerns me the most, I'm sorry, guys, my existentialism is going to start showing. <laughs> I think my biggest fear is that nothing's going to change. I don't know if anything's going to necessarily get worse. It probably will. We have a good, we're pretty good at like messing things up. But, you know, speaking maybe specifically towards like gun issues, that's just going to keep going. I think that's my biggest concern. Not that the gun thing is going to continue, but just like I think a lot of our problems. I don't think the church is actively trying to really make that big of a difference. I'm sure there are churches that are, and I'm thankful for those churches. I don't think our political parties are necessarily trying to like, you know, it's a lot of party line issue stuff that they're more so concerned about and being on each other's side and things like that. So, yeah, I guess my biggest fear is that like nothing's really going to change. We could very well have this conversation again and talk about a lot of the same issues and some things haven't changed. Maybe have gotten worse. Sorry, my nihilism is showing. Um, Jesus is king, <laughs> which is true. Like Jesus is king and I'm thankful for it, but I'm just a little like... I'm a, I'm a little worried, I guess. Yeah, I'll second that, and I'll go a different route as well. Uh, the fact that lobbyists and lobbying still exists in America is kind of what I'm most concerned about. I, I'm going to go, I, I'm not saying Kino would say this, but I'm going to go full Kino on this. And I would say if they all, if it ended up being outlawed tomorrow and we all had to execute them tomorrow, lobbyists on all sides, my life would feel a lot better in my opinion. This because just turned into V for Vendetta or it, something. Exactly. You know why? Because I don't think the NRA, I don't think Planned Parenthood, either one of those situations, either one of those organizations should have the power to affect a senator or anyone and offer them money. I, I really love the idea someone had of like uh, how NASCAR drivers all have mm -hmm. their uh, sponsors mm -hmm. all labeled all over them. I think they should do that for senators too. It makes me really happy. <laughs> In lieu of killing them... You know, if we have to go that route, if we have to be merciful, we have to be Jesus in this moment, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> then that's, that's my compromise. You can either be dead or we can see who owns you. And that's why I'm not ever going to be involved in politics because that was a direct threat against a lot of people. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also why when on the political compass, uh, when I take my quizzes and the like, I am slightly alt-right. And I say slightly alt-right. <laughs> because there are people way beyond that barrier than I am, because 
I am, it's appalling that these people can just throw money and get legislation passed because it affects their interests rather than the interests of the people. Yeah. Like a, you know, like a Catholic monarchist. Yeah. Yeah. I want to cheat so bad. I will say I obviously am concerned about how polarized everything is, but I think everyone's very aware of that. So because everyone's aware of it, I'm slightly less concerned about it than I am the virtue signaling, where literally no one means any of the things they do. So you have people like um, DeSantis in Florida who's like, hey, what if I do all these lawsuits that I know won't work, but I make a bunch of news about it, and then when it doesn't work, make sure it doesn't get heard that I lost. And then claim that I'm the biggest winner ever. (laughs) And it's like, okay, dude, sure. Uh, See how well that's working with Disney for you over there, bud. Um, Like, come on. And then, you know, he's, he's not doing it because he thinks it works. The guy is incredibly intelligent. He knows this stuff doesn't work, but he knows that virtue signaling will get him more wins and get him more sponsors, get him more money. So, you know what? What if I just do virtue signaling knowing that I can't possibly succeed? And you see the same thing on both sides. It just It's so irritating how many people were so pro defund the police until, oh, man, that's not popular. You know, I was against it the whole time, guys. Like, really? Fascinating. Fascinating. You were really against it the whole time. You know, we have TVs now. I can record things. It's wild. <laughs> so that, that that's probably my biggest. The whole virtue signaling of people, a bunch of people trying to act like they're on one side or the other so that they'll look good when they don't. It doesn't really seem like they mean it. So, yeah. What, what's that? The shaggy defense? It wasn't me. Yeah. True. <laughs> Although, on the 20 year anniversary of that song, you know, he did tweet, okay, guys, it was me. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, we have some, some comments to catch up on. Um, nachos support Marco Rubio, if you didn't know. Um, also, suggestion that we use different colors. No more red and blue. That's, okay. uh, that's gotten old. We're going to use purple and green now, I think. Okay, okay. And uh, Christian, what about when a lobbyist supports something that you want? Doesn't matter. <laughs> They're lobbyists. Okay. Okay, there we go. So all consistency. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will be consistent in that regard. They can all go. So how can the church better speak life and love into the polarizing political climate in our country? The message of the gospel hasn't changed. America didn't exist until about, you know, a little under 300 years ago. The gospel doesn't change. What is the gospel? It's to love God, love your neighbor as yourself, preach Jesus, make disciples, baptize them in his name. Okay? That doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter where we are in this polarizing climate. Well, guess who's the most polarizing figure of all? As the man himself says, it's going to be me. They're going to hate you on account of me. So guess what? It doesn't matter who we put into office. If they're not a Christian, they're going to hate you for that regard. Maybe they won't say it out loud. Maybe they won't even be consciously aware of the fact because they're just that far away from the gospel. That's okay. God is in control, as Brandon rightly said. It doesn't matter who's in charge. We can do certain things to help change things. We vote the right person in, sure. But the gospel doesn't change. How can we better speak those things? Um, I guess I will just keep coming back to something I've said throughout this episode, is that I think in order to do all that, what uh, Christian was saying about the gospel hasn't changed, discipleship, leading people to Jesus, all the things we should be doing. It's like the baseline stuff. Uh, 
continuing to educate ourselves and being aware of what's going on. Again, to love our contacts, whatever that may be. We're coming from several different locations and how it looks for Pastor Will here at Chapel Hill is going to look different for our TJ where he lives at um, Southern, or Southern South Carolina. Um, <laughs> so like we, we have to be educated on political thought, political theory, um, people who are much more brilliant than us, uh, who think critically about these things. Um, and for us to then think critically about what they're saying, it's kind of like that whole pastor situation of like, listen to your pastor by all means, listen to his sermon, but also think critically about his sermon, think critically about her sermon, reflect on it through scripture's lens. Um, yeah. So in, and in read books, watch the news, listen to podcasts, watch documentaries. Like in order to engage the current climate, you have to like have a thermostat thermometer. So yeah, continue to educate yourself. I'm going to use that word that I hate when other podcasters use authenticity. I, there's so many of these examples of preaching life and love to the community, how we need to love people better and all this stuff. And even when what they're saying is done well, it happens a lot of the time, it comes off as though you don't mean it or as though it's like a show or you're trying to do it because that's going to make more people want to come to you. Like it comes off almost more political than it does ministral. That's mm. a word. Yeah, sure. Um, like pastoral. That, that's what I should have said. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think I think you know what I'm saying. Like like a lot of times it's yeah we want to love people we want to do outreach but your outreach is like big signs for your church as you give somebody food once a year in a food like like okay well what if you gave them food all the time and didn't have to make it a big advertisement thing like what if you did it because you actually care because people can kind of tell when you care or not one thing that blew my mind working at Domino's is I kept arguing no no one can tell if I answer the phone with a smile until uh, the manager started calling and calling me out on it and I was like oh. People can actually hear a smile in your voice. That's a true thing. Um, and what it really comes down to is people know when you're authentic or not. When you're saying stuff because I just want people in my church, they know. When you're saying stuff because you genuinely care about people and love the people God created, love them the way that Jesus loved them, the same people that Jesus loved, that'll show. And go back to what Brandon said earlier, the reason our churches are empty a lot of times uh, is actually because we're too political and don't care about people enough. That was a fun note. So everybody, if you could give one <laughs> tangible action how to help better maintain unity of the church around politics, uh, what's the most practical thing that you can think for people to do Christian? Um, one of the most would be if you're going to vote, if in your heart of hearts you say, I can do such a thing. Know who you're voting for. I know there's a lot of people on that list. And it's every single time I voted, I haven't understood every single person's position. But the more you can learn about them, the more you know who they're sponsored by in all these <laughs> scenarios. Uh, whether you agree with what they're being sponsored by or not, doesn't matter. Learn where their heart is. They're not doing it because it's the right thing to do. They're doing it because they got the money from it. That's very easy to find out if you look into it. So know who these people are before you vote for them. And I say that to you and I say that to me. I would like to recommend Augustine's City of God and also 
Tom Holland, not that one. Book <laughs> Man. Kingdom, but unfortunately I haven't read either one of them. So I can't put like my full stamp of approval on them. I've heard they're very good and very helpful in this regard of like with Augustine thinking critically about Christian's role in church and government. Um, and also with Kingdom, I've heard it's just a really good history of religious involvement in the world, particularly Christianity, but it's, it's very encompassing overall. But for things I can actually like put my stamp of approval on, um, this comes actually from you for the lobbying thing. Uh, I really enjoyed, I believe they're both Netflix documentaries, um, Pray Away and The Family. Both of those are very good documentaries. That does give you a little bit of insight into that world a little bit better. And in both cases, actually a very negative view of Christian Christianity's involvement in lobbying. So if you just need a bit of a reality check, I would recommend watching both of those. While we're doing recommendations. <laughs> um, I, I want to add to the City of God thing because that's one of those like I'm one of the few psychos who've like read the whole thing. It's like huge, 60 right? some. Oh, oh, it's 60 some volumes and yeah, each volume crazy. is huge. Yeah. Um, if you get the audiobook on Audible, though, you can listen to it straight for 49 hours. Um, <laughs> about half that, which is but, but what, what I want to <laughs> say, yeah, uh, what I want to say, though, is um, there are abridged versions of it. Most of them are great. You don't miss out on a ton. And what you do miss out on, uh, talk to me. I'll let you know. Um, also, if you want a more modern book that speaks, I think, really well to the situation, there's there's two. We actually interviewed the author of one. I can't think of her name right now for some reason. Um, Pagan Christianity. Do you know off the top of your head? Dumez? Yeah, Christian Dumez. Uh, that is fantastic history of how the church has really um, screwed stuff up in politics in the last couple hundred years. Um, Warning, uh, if you love Billy Graham, it's quite triggering. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll still read it. I need to know. So. If you love John Wayne, it, it's really not. He is exactly who you think he is, it turns out. <laughs> I still but, need to read Jesus and John Wayne. Yeah, so it, it's it's well. fantastic book. Um, also, even shorter, uh, The Liturgy of Politics by Caitlin Chess is awesome. And she's going to be on our show uh, in a couple months. So, yeah. Sweet. And I'm so jealous that she is. Brandon will also be guesting that episode. <laughs> She's so smart. She's great. She is so smart. Yeah. So, so before we wrap up our show, uh, we like to ask everyone to share a moment that they saw God in recently, whether that be a blessing, challenge, uh, curse, or worship, you know, the works. Uh, I always make Josh go first to give the rest of us enough time to answer. So, Joshua Knoll, do you have a God moment for us today? Yeah. Um, we've been in Chapel Hill for this event, naturally, and I got here way before everybody else. Um, and I had a few free hours, and I walked several miles back and forth on Franklin Street in front of UNC Chapel Hill's campus. Um, it's a really fun street. There are all kind of crazy, cool stuff there. I kept seeing this lady. I, I first saw her, and she was in like a back alley. She's really She was dressed really nice, so it kind of threw me off. Um, she was just talking to, to me, what looked like, uh, I'll be honest with some of my prejudice. She, he looked a little sketchy. He was a homeless person just in a back alley. And I'm like, should I watch, make sure nothing happens here? <laughs> like, cause she really well-dressed, nice older lady. And I'm like, what's going on? I keep walking. I see her doing it again to somebody else. I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird now. Kind of, kind of got 
curious, but I did not, not curious enough to be the weirdo that walks into the back alley with two people. <laughs> so uh, I got walking and eventually I did overhear her while she was talking to one of the homeless people here in Chapel Hill and um, just asking if she could pray for him, started praying for him. And I was like, wow, that is incredible. She just spent, what's funny is I just had three hours and nothing to do. She probably, assumedly lives here, could be doing something else and chose to spend hours of her time just going around praying with random people. And that was pretty cool. Really encouraging to see that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll say my God moment is a friend of mine here found $50 on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been said for a whole church thing yet? I, I hate you guys. Okay. Yeah, okay. No, uh, he handled it very well. That's not actually my God moment. It's just make fun to make fun of Josh. <laughs> but actually, I'll say it is uh, the, the hospitality that we have received from mm. Pastor Will Rose and Holy Trinity Church. Uh, sorry, Lutheran Church. Sorry, I didn't mean to admit that. My bad. And, and the fact that they allowed us to stay here for free, they have offered us uh, tremendous resources as well that uh, not a single one of us deserved, yet they gave it very kindly and freely. So I would say my God moment is uh, thanks for the, the hospitality and love that we've received in that regard. I'll send us home on a sappy moment to say that my God moment has been being able to finally meet all of you IRL and having... The how nice Josh has been, how gracious Josh was to come pick me up so dang early in the morning. <laughs> how great TJ has been with the fact that I keep being that guy who says, huh, we don't have that in Chicago. And like <laughs> it finally has occurred to me that I've been that guy. Sorry, everybody. Um, fun, I'm I sorry. Yeah, I came into this knowing that I was going to do that and didn't want to do that. But, you know. You can't help but be a tourist sometimes, you know, yeah. but just like your graciousness towards me and just being able to actually fellowship with you in like a constant, you know, we've been together for now, like 24 hours and going on more. So it's been good. Well, I also have a God moment. I, I just want to say, though, I'm extremely happy about just your experience here. I, I live in Charlotte. People aren't as nice. <laughs> I like every like cashier, every store I go into, I'm like, these people are just so like weirdly kind like they're so kind here and that makes me happy because everybody talks about southern hospitality and i'm like man he's gonna come and be so disappointed <laughs> <laughs> and i know i i wouldn't be i think i think you really I've had that been here. here like yeah. at all i've never been to north carolina at all so just yeah. the whole experience has been cool yeah yeah um my god moment is twofold uh technically it's like a hundred if you're counting uh nice. i have a very flat tire for the record. Um, the other day I had zero PSI in that tire. <laughs> However, it does hold there long enough for me to come to Chapel Hill. Good. <laughs> for my, my little four-hour drive. It's fine. Also, the devils have been defeated. Yeah. yeah. Hell with the, devil. the New Jersey devils. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, while we were having this church convention, there was just such a powerful move of God that the Carolina hurricane slayed the devils. Yep. It was pretty awesome. That's what happened. Once uh -huh. and for all. <laughs> Once and for all. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, Eric Howla has now become the first person to ever lose to three different teams in consecutive playoff years. Mm. Wow. Oh, no. He lost to the same team while he was on three different teams. Oh, okay. okay. That, makes more, yeah. that is more Oh, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's way more amusing. <laughs> yeah. And it was us every time. <laughs> and the year before that, three years ago, he played for us. 
Mm. So you should have made hockey one of those things you geek out on in that systematic so, psychology episode. So, so if you enjoyed this episode, <laughs> if you enjoy supporting us, please consider sharing this episode with a friend or a cousin. You could share it with an enemy. Uh, we have several. <laughs> several enemies. We've shared share it with several with this episode. Yep. Share it with a Devils fan. <laughs> don't share it with Devils fans. I don't want them to hear me. Um, oh man! Check out our Patreon. You get free stuff if you support us on Patreon long enough. Uh, you can get bonus episodes and content from all the AMP shows on Apple Podcast if you pay to subscribe to that feed. Yeah, yeah. Paid subscriptions are tight. Um. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke with a friend in the audience today. Anyway, so check out all of our other shows. He mentioned the AMP. That is the Anazao Ministries Podcast Network. Um, it's part, all of the hosts here have different shows that are a part of that. We have Systematic Ecology. We have Let Nothing Move You, My Seminary Life, A Dummy for Theology, um, The Bible After Hours. Um, am I missing Am I missing one? I feel like I'm missing the one. The Whole Church Podcast. Whole Church Podcast, what you're currently listening to, <laughs> it's also on there. So check it out. All the shows are great. If you're on Spotify, there's a single stream with all the shows you can subscribe to, so you don't have to subscribe to so many different things. Yeah. I hope you uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, come back next week when we'll have a live recording about how and where we most experience God, featuring several hosts from other shows in the network. Then Dan Cock of the You Have Permission podcast will be joining Coke. us. <laughs> you corrected me last time. Yeah, because you said cock and I said coke. No, I said coke, and you said no, it's cock. This I promise. It's on record. <laughs> we recorded it. I'm a Billy. Go listen to it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I chose this. We'll have Steve Copeland joining us. Then finally, the end of season one, Francis Chan will be on the show. Yeah, he doesn't know that, though. So let him know for us if you see him. He will. I'm sure he's just hanging out somewhere. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. Remember, you can always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast. Come back next week. We'll have another live episode from our convention and will be our conversation about when, where, and how you most experience God.